Hey everyone, welcome to Season 2, Episode 6 of Guards of Eden. Today's guest is Sarah Davis. I can't wait for you guys to hear this one, so I'll do my best to keep the intro short. In the build-up to this interview, I was already quite a big fan of Sarah. She's a fantastic person. I love the way that she uses her platform. But as I got to know her story more and more, I became an even bigger fan. And by the time I met her, I was a fan. It was a really cool moment. Sitting down with her, she was super sweet, really lovely, has a great story and a ton of value in her story. I want to wish her all the best in terms of her health and fitness as she looks to go to Tokyo next summer. And I just wish her nothing but the best for her career. I think you guys are going to love this one. So without further ado, three, two, one, let's go. Hey Sarah, how are you doing? I'm not too bad, thank you. How are you? I'm all good. I'm all good. This the first away day for the podcast in ah, Preston. Wow. So well, I'm loving it. Sorry, it's in Preston. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. It's um yeah, it's a nice change to be fair. So I'm really and I'm excited to meet you, of course. So oh, thank you. <laughs> first question, something we ask all of the podcast guests. Mm-hmm. Can you give me a song that reminds you of a happy time in your life? So I'd say probably a song for me and it's kind of fits with my weightlifting mm-hmm. career is that Katy Perry Raw. Oh, um, I love it. Yeah. Um, just because it's kind of, it's like motivational and stuff and at a mm-hmm. time like I was upcoming in my weightlifting career when it came out. So yeah, it was kind of cool. A, a lot of people didn't believe in me that I could do what, I, mm-hmm. what I've now done um, when I had my sights set on it. So yeah, it was kind of one of those I love it. It just gives you a bit of a pump. That's an awesome song. Thank <laughs> you. So that will be living on the Gods of Eden soundtrack Spotify playlist. Cool. Um, am I right in saying you started kind of fitness in gymnastics? Yeah. So as a kid um, growing up like this kind of area, I did gymnastics um, from the age of about four or five. Really? All the way through till kind of 14, 15, probably. Okay. Um, yeah. So. What did you enjoy about it early on? Um, I don't really know what made me want to do gymnastics. I, my mom just said, like, I just used to kept pestering her, like, I want to go to gymnastics, I want to go to gymnastics. So she finally, like, gave in after I'd, like, bounced off the sofa so many times that <laughs> she let me go. And it was just one of those things that I loved doing, and it was, like, a little family there. And it's just what I did after school. I went yeah. to gymnastics, and it was cool. And it's one of those things that, you know, I wish I could still do now, but unfortunately my body's a little bit too old and, <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. So, um yeah, I, go, I don't really know where it came from. It was just one of those things I fell into. Yeah. <laughs> and didn't you go to the, is it Garstang School of Gymnastics? Yeah, Garstang School of Gymnastics. So it's um, not too far from where we are here, actually. Okay. Um, so I went to school in the area and I remember my coach used to pick me up from school, um, from secondary school at three <laughs> o'clock. My coach would pick me up, take me straight to gymnastics and I'd be there kind of all night. So, yeah. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Incredible discipline though, right? Yeah, and I guess it's one of those things that just becomes like routine. Like that's just what I did. And yeah. after school, I went to gymnastics, and and that was that. And was there till like eight o'clock at night, which, as a kid, is some serious commitment, I guess. But at the time, you don't think about it because you enjoy doing it, and you're surrounded by your friends and yeah. all that sort of stuff. That's awesome. <laughs> one thing you mentioned about it on another interview was that mm-hmm. as you were coming into secondary school, I think. Because you had developed like quite, a, I guess, a muscular figure is probably mm-hmm. the right way. Yeah. You got like a little bit of teasing. What was that like at such an early age? I mean, I feel like as a generation with, you know, we had London 2012 and stuff. I feel like, you know, if that was now, it mm. wouldn't necessarily be the same issue. But sure. like as an 11, 12 year old girl to be absolutely shredded with an eight pack of pecs <laughs> kind of isn't normal. And like school is one of those places that if you're not normal, then, you know, you stand out and that's when you get picked on. So... 
yeah and like my coach would pick me up like I said I get to the gym and I just burst into tears like I was mm-hmm. just but then by the same accord like going to the, going to the gym was kind of like my escape from it and it was I guess it's kind of like a catch-22 that I enjoyed going to the gym to escape it but then that was what was causing the the issues and the bullying but um yeah I think that part of that eventually is what caused me to stop doing gymnastics yeah. um just because I wanted to be normal like everyone else at school which right. don't get me wrong I regretted it um I remember watching London 2012 and a bunch of the British team were girls that I used to compete against um in my younger years but yeah. everything happens for a reason and you know my life went on the path that it did so yeah. can't complain no, <laughs> what were you like as a kid it's funny I was quite a tomboy as a kid oh, like really? I used to have my my football strip that I lived in I'd be outside <laughs> in the dirt which given my <laughs> lifestyle now is probably quite different um <laughs> but yeah like I was always active right. um always outside I mean kind of my generation was when things like PlayStation started coming about and I was I was just never bothered by any of that yeah. like people always go oh, have you seen this movie from like that kind of era I'm like nope didn't have any interest in sitting still yeah. like I just couldn't do it it's probably why mum took me to gymnastics in the end to calm me down a little bit but yeah who were your role models growing up so again it would be gymnastics related I remember yeah. meeting Beth Tweddle um, before the Manchester Commonwealth, she came right. to our gym club and did like a little talk. Yeah. Um, I mean, at the time she was only 16 and it's before she made her kind yeah. of, Manchester was her big debut where she, you know, got a name for herself. So right. that was kind of cool to, you know, have met her and follow her journey and stuff from then and to even still follow it now. Everything she achieved in her career is phenomenal. Um, so yeah, she was definitely up there and, and still is in a way from everything she achieved in the sport. So. That's going to be you soon. That's what I keep, <laughs> that's what I keep thinking. <laughs> Hopefully, that'd yeah. be nice. <laughs> and then you went on to Leeds Beckett, right? Uni. Yeah. How yeah. was that? Um, that was cool. And that's where I, where I found weightlifting. So, yeah. um, you know, I went as a fresher and I picked up gymnastics again just for some fun, yeah. um, kind of recreationally. I didn't have any intent on being elite again. It's kind of impossible to do that really as a gymnast to get to that level again at that age yeah and so I went to uni to become a PE teacher and kind of thought that was going to be you know I'd do my degree I'd graduate I'd get a job and that would be me kind of life set and then found weightlifting which (laughs) threw a little bit of a curveball in the mix and um yeah life's kind of gone off on track from there really did I read you were a golf player a bit? Yes, I did. Actually, I played <laughs> golf for Lancashire from like when I stopped doing gymnastics at kind of 15, 16 um, and through until I went to uni. And I played for the county girls team. So I played for Lancashire. And then I went to uni and just like expense and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. It's an expensive sport to try and keep up. And I still play occasionally um, with friends and stuff. But I get frustrated because I'm not as good as I used to be. And if I'm doing something, I want to do it to the best of my ability. So yeah, my brother's a professional golfer. Um, oh, wow. So yeah, he's a he's a coach. He actually lives out in Slovakia now. He runs his own business out there coaching golf. So uh, it runs in the family. Dad plays, yeah. granddad played. So it was one of those things that when I wasn't doing gymnastics, I just picked it up and was quite good at it. And I think my dad still gets a little bit frustrated sometimes that I didn't stick at that a little bit longer because <laughs> there's more money in golf than there is in weightlifting, that's for sure. But um, yeah, the cold weather wasn't really for me. Oh yeah, true. <laughs> oh God. The practicing hours in winter, oh, it was, yeah, not fun. I find it so interesting because even though obviously the three kind of key things, they're, they're all individual sports. Yeah. 
but they're just so different. One, yeah. One's like body control mm-hmm. in terms of the gymnastics. I guess that's similar to golf. Yeah. But the golf is like you get one go here. Gymnast, I guess it's like loads of different movements. Yeah. And then the weight training is like, I guess, pure power and technical ability. Yeah. But like you get one go at that, but it's just so intense, it seems yeah. like, for short times. Yeah. Whereas golf, I guess they all... I guess they're all mental in a certain aspect. Yeah, I mean, they all so have different. that kind of psychological aspect, especially, like you said, individual sport. Mm. Like, you're out there on your own. Like, yeah. you've not got any, like, thing about the rugby. You've got a teammate to back you up yeah. or whatever it is. Like, it's it's you on your own and with your own mind, which is can be kind of make or break for some people. But the interesting thing is, and this was something I was going to ask later, but whilst we're here... You, when I've seen you step to a bar in the film that I've seen, you look so calm and focused, but it's it's like a calm in terms of you don't look nervous at all, <laughs> but it's like a la- it's like a laser focus, and it's a weird combination. But yeah, firstly, is that accurate on how you're feeling? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, there is some nerve and some adrenaline there for mm. competition. Um, I think if you're not nervous, then you maybe are in the wrong game. Like yeah. nerves show you care about it 100%. and you want to do well. Um, and it's something that over the years I've got better at, you know, calming my nerves and harnessing it in the right way. But yeah, you want that kind of little bit of aggression in your belly just because you're trying to lift more than your own body weight <laughs> above your head. So, but yeah, that's probably about right. Because at the end of the day, when you step on the competition platform, you've just got to trust the process of the training you've done. And it's just another one of those lifts that you've done a thousand times in the gym. So yeah that's probably a good summary really <laughs> and i was gonna say is it something that you have to practice that mi- the mindset element of it all yeah i mean it's just something that's kind of come with years of competition mm-hmm. um you know when i i got to a a good sort of international standard very quickly and yeah. my mindset wasn't necessarily in line with my physical ability mm-hmm. so it's one of those things that took me a little while of international competition and that pressure to to really focus it and practice it and you know you can see the best sports psych in the world but no one can prepare you for that moment right there and mm-hmm. um it's only kind of over time and with practice that you that you learn it and i think coming into the sport kind of old in terms of elite sport as in hadn't done it from being a kid sure like i had to almost play catch up whereas you get some people in the sport like um zoe's been to youth commonwealths youth olympics like she's been to all these things and over time like the competitions get bigger as you get more experienced and and you learn that pressure and that experience as you're kind of growing up in the sport so i had to almost play catch up a little bit on that but you know i think my gymnastics background did help um like you said being out there on your own and Mm. all eyes on you so uh yeah (laughs) over the years i've got there and developed it i mean there's still always work to do but we're getting there (laughs) the second thing i noticed whilst we're just talking about you in on the platform Mm -hmm. is that you so you did well let me get this right first you're the first gb female athlete at your weight category to snatch over 100 kg right Mm -hmm. yeah 101 kg Mm -hmm. bloody awesome at 64 (laughs) kg and then i'm not sure if this is right but is it 125 clean and jerk yeah my best 125 i've cleaned a little bit more a couple of times but yeah. always miss the jerk so i'm working on that <laughs> <laughs> and i would expect this like i don't know i try and put myself in your position and what that must feel like which i'm never gonna do but <laughs> um but you look like calm once again it's like a smile of like yeah it's awesome yeah but i'd like i feel i'd be like tearing things apart like <laughs> 
let's go. <laughs> and you do get that with some lifters, but they think like with weightlifting as opposed to say like powerlifting or something yeah. like that, like it's it's so technical with weightlifting that mm-hmm. you know that used to be an issue for me is I used to almost get like over like excited and over aroused and yeah. then it would have a negative effect that I'd just try and rip it off the floor and forget any technical movement. So it was a case of like having enough fire but you know keeping it calm as well so that you yeah. can still focus on the technical stuff yeah because it's just i just saw you you like did one like it might have been your third rep on or third i guess i'm gonna say rep i, I don't know the proper terminology <laughs> i'm sorry but and you just like kind of smiled and looked really peaceful and i was like <laughs> that's a lot of weight you just chucked above your head what the fuck like <laughs> It was like a really quaint smile. And I was like, you just done something really awesome. Yeah, I guess it's just one of those things, isn't it? It's like the celebration of just how it comes out. And there's a video of my 101 snatch at the yeah. British. I'm actually still at the bottom of the lift. Yeah. I still have to stand up and this grin just comes across my face because like, I know I've got it by that point. So, yeah. Oh, God, honestly, I was like, I was looking, I was like, I know she cares. Like, that's really obvious. But it's like, <laughs> I'm like, you look like really chill and calm. Yeah. Which I just, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think it's because I've got an expressive face, so I really struggle to like look just like kind of. I mean, I feel like I have an expressive face. I feel like sometimes, like when I'm actually in the middle of a lift, my eyebrows like point in and I look a little (laughs) bit like the angry emoji, you know, with the straight eyebrows that are like. So. (laughs) I love it. It's so cool because it is, it's such a like instinctual thing, right? I guess in terms of. I heard you say it once in terms of being able saying like you'll just try and get under any bar. Yeah. Like and that can be like something that you're not used oh, to. Oh yeah, I'm a lunatic. Yeah. I'm an absolute <laughs> lunatic. Like the coaches know that as well. Like when we go to international competition, they're like, right, we'll get the first clean and jerk attempt in to secure the total and mm. see what the board looks like. And if we need to throw a heavyweight on the bar for the third attempt, we know you'll give it a <laughs> try. And I'm like, Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so. That's so interesting. Do you think that stems from being someone that's competitive? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, I'm the youngest of four siblings. You've got to be competitive. Ah, that makes a ton of sense. <laughs> was it something like you were just, as you grew older, like it was just a part of you? Like, yeah, I just, al- I've just always been competitive. Um, and I think, like, my weightlifting career kind of grew up around the national team at the time, which mm-hmm. training into the London Olympics. So, you know, I never saw anyone being scared of a bar. Like, I just saw the like the guys throwing themselves under heavy weights. So that's what I did. So. Yeah, it's kind of like what you don't know. You don't yeah, know exactly. kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. So How is it because weight training for me anyway, I really loved it as a hobby. Mm-hmm. How was it when you started transitioning from teaching across mm-hmm. to and making it a career? Like did it dull it at all or did you um, just kind of maintain the, the passion for it? Like it's one of those things that like it's almost it has become my job now. Mm. And there are times where I'm like, you know, I write programs so it's my job and video feedback yeah. and all that sort of stuff and I'm in the gym training sometimes I'm like oh too much weightlifting right, like yeah, yeah. it gets kind of all consuming and like I can see why people work a job that's completely different to the sure, sport and sure. you know you get you get athletes or Olympians and stuff that have got like law degrees and they work right. do you know they, yeah. they just do stuff people are like oh do you want to work in sport and it's like actually I want to do the complete opposite yeah. I mean it's just the way that my life's panned out and the lack of funding and stuff it means mm-hmm. that writing programs I can take it with me wherever I travel and it's convenient right now but yeah kind of so weightlifting has become my job and then I do like all the pageants and stuff like as a hobby like because it distracts (laughs) me from that adds a little bit of glitz and glamour to my weightlifting life but there are times yeah where I do struggle and it's almost like especially if training's going shit like (laughs) you want to have that 
like escape but when your life is all weightlifting you Mm -hmm. don't have that escape so yeah it's just that was super interesting to me I was like to because you did go into teaching yeah yeah so I took a teaching job because I wasn't funded I wasn't good enough to be funded at the time Mm -hmm. Um, I taught for for three years and then I made the decision to stop teaching be a full-time funded athlete and then they and then the funding disappeared so I was kind of there like oh what do I do now Um, but you know the, the coaching stuff has taken off and it you know, it's not earning me big bucks but it's earning enough to to pay the bills and allow me to live pretty comfortably at the minute so I can't really complain no <laughs> um how was it because so I might have the time scale completely wrong and I'll look ridiculous saying this but you were teaching at the same time you were doing competitions in places like Israel and Kazakhstan yeah yeah so I was um teaching from 2013 to 2016 so mm-hmm. um the school I was teaching at were actually really good with me, letting me have time off during term time. Sure. Um, I mean, I was only part-time and in PE, so it's kind of those two, three days a week that I was working, like they can kind of make do without me. I'd take it unpaid. Sure. Um, and it's cool for them to have a PE teacher who's doing all that sort <laughs> yeah, of stuff, yeah. I guess. Um, it was a really good school where they, you know, they took pride in their sports teams and, you know, the kids liked having a teacher who was going off and doing all that cool stuff. So it's always when I disappear and I come back, they're like, Miss, where have you been? Like, what have you been up to? And um, like come back with medals and stuff, which is cool, like for the mm-hmm. kids to see that. And so, yeah, I, w- I was really lucky that the school kind of let me have that flexibility, kind of within reason, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But, obviously as a teacher you're expected to take holidays in school holiday time so yeah I was very fortunate how was that experience of kind of coming back and all these kids being like where have you been what's happened yeah it's kind of surreal really like I mean I've got a picture of one of what was my one of my favorite groups at the time Mm -hmm. like with the kids with my medals on and stuff and (laughs) yeah it's really cool (laughs) it is really cool and it's kind of I'd have loved that as a kid like Mm. having a PE teacher who'd done done those things absolutely Um, so yeah I think hopefully I've made a little bit of a difference to them and those are you know the sporty kids that they can see what they want to achieve but also realizing that sport isn't not every sport's like football you're not going to earn millions of pounds a week (laughs) or whatever it is like you know they can see that you do have to have a backup option which I guess as a teacher is kind of what you want to be getting across yeah Um, because you know I've taught in some schools that were um, kind of inner city schools and these kids are like yeah I'm gonna get signed by United and yeah. yes reality is very different so I guess it kind of teaches them that a little bit that yeah you're like a realistic like they're like wow like we can be that it's like yeah. a really realistic aiming point yeah for yeah your life, exactly right? yeah and then you went on to go and work with wisdom for lifting can you explain wisdom to for lifting, yeah so my partner at the time jack set it up um in 2014 when he lost his funding mm-hmm. and then when i stopped teaching and lost the funding i took more of the business stuff on and kind of grew the business side of it like it mm-hmm. turns out i have quite a good business mindset apparently um, <laughs> <laughs> so you know grew that grew the social media that goes with it um all the pricing all the all the programs and stuff like that and um, it's kind of gone from through all the stages now to a point where it's supporting me full time to to mm. be able to train and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's really cool, you know. And I have some people from all walks of life that are on the program. I've got Nora who competes internationally for Switzerland. Wow. Um, so I coached her at the World Championships, which is really cool. Nice, cool. Um, and then I've got people who are just like doing it for fun, and you know, masters lifters. Um, that just do it as a bit of a hobby so you get a real range of people that that come to you for a program which is cool 
We, was that a co- decision you were confident in early on? No. No? <laughs> it was kind of like, a okay, the funding's gone. Let's give this a try. See if we can grow it to make enough money um, and kind of see where it goes from there. If I have to go back into teaching, I have to go back into teaching. But And I probably will go back to teaching at some point. But it's not fair on the kids to that time off and stuff. It's not fair on the school to ex- for you to expect them to give you the time. And especially if you've got kids like exam levels and stuff, they don't need the inconsistency of teachers disappearing and, and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I guess I'm pretty fortunate that there is that need in the market, um, you know, with CrossFit and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. it's grown, it's grown the sport of weightlifting massively. Big time. So that's kind of, that was where I sort of started tapping the marketing at was at the CrossFit people to improve their weightlifting for CrossFit. Sure. But obviously as weightlifting's grown as a sport, you just get more people coming to you now for just pure weightlifting, which mm-hmm. is really cool. So teaching, you enjoyed it then? Yeah, yeah, I love really? I love teaching, yeah. Some people are like, how can you teach teenagers? But <laughs> I found them easier because I did summer camp in yeah. America, so I did three summers. Yeah. I always found the teenagers easier. Yeah, you can reason with teenagers. Yeah. The younger ones, you have to like mother them and stuff. Nah, it's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I do do some days now where I go into like primary schools as an athlete. And yeah. They're fine for a day, but I couldn't keep that up all day every day because you have to kind of put on this act in front of the young ones that you're yeah. all happy and this yeah. and that. And whereas the teenagers, they can sense if you're in a bad mood and they know not to push the boundaries. Yeah, because yeah. It's not worth it. Oh, so. that's exactly how I was. Yeah. yeah. You get it like the odd day where I was like really tired. I was like, yeah, yeah don't be late to this. Yeah. Don't play with me today. Like we need yeah. to get, get this day going. Yeah. <laughs> so. What did you enjoy about Leeds? Um, so I went to Union Leeds and then just kind of stayed there really because at the time we had the the national program was was still in Leeds. Um, so I we got a house together um, myself and Jack at the time because um, that's where the gym was. Yep. And we had friends and stuff there, so we got that. And then they moved the national program down to Loughborough, which is really annoying when you've just got a house. But like we had a friend network and stuff there, so and it's a cool city. It's like it's got enough in it that you know you kind of don't have to go anywhere to need anything but it's not too big that you know you're kind of overwhelmed and Mm. um get a little bit lost in it so yeah i just really like it as a city so because you're based between both right at the moment at the minute yeah so i still have i still stay in with friends at the minute in leeds and then my family are back this way so i'm kind of just back and forth a little bit at the minute um and i'm potentially going to move down to the midlands um in the new year which is exciting um, yeah 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 so you know that's what will be best for me going forward for my training and my olympic career so i mean it'll be the first time i move outside of the north which is a oh that's a big thing but yeah, you're creeping um, your way down yeah i know <laughs> i know so um yeah we'll see how that goes but that's the plan going forward which is exciting yeah, I guess because Preston and Leeds, it's not too far, right? I guess. Yeah, so that's kind of like when I moved to Leeds for uni, like yeah. it was far enough away from home that I was away from home, but not too far that if I needed to get back for something, I could get back pretty easily. So it was a nice kind of distance um, to be. So Yeah, because yeah. I was southwest London and I went to Southampton, Solent. So yeah. it's the same. It was like a nice distance where... Yeah. I really like the way of life for me was really different. Yeah. But I'm like, I just feel like London is different to everywhere yeah. in terms uh, of. Like, yeah. <laughs> As a Northern girl in London, like I spent more and more time in London over the last kind of eight years or so. But 
I'm like, yeah, I could do this. And then someone's rude to me and I'm like, no, I can't do this. (laughs) Honestly, so I got here yesterday and someone spoke to me and my it's like the instinct is to like be like why are strangers talking to me and then i had to realize where i was and i was like no 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 you're in the north yeah the north it's a it's a friendlier place so yeah but it's so true you instinctively just think especially me i wear headphones everywhere yeah that's like my kind of i guess annoying annoying thing like i'm always wearing headphones but yeah so when someone started speaking to me i was like what what are you doing like, i'm wearing headphones and you're a stranger but yeah it's just so different so yeah. i can imagine it's getting a bit scary and move as you creep down yeah, the country. yeah i know luckily the midlands is still pretty friendly but yeah. um yeah it's getting there but yeah because my dad was from nottingham so i kind of yeah spent bits of time there as a teenager yeah and it was yeah still really different to the way of life here but yeah they'll call you duck or love yeah <laughs> When were you quite sure that you were like, oh, I can do this weightlifting thing full time? I mean, I'm still not sure. Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> can you I? been talking? I was like, actually, I wonder. <laughs> yeah, I think it was kind of after Commonwealth Games 2014, I was in mm-hmm. teaching for those couple of years. And it was only kind of once the Rio sort of cycle had gone that I was like, actually, I am quite good at this and I do yeah. have the ability to, to do what I want to do. And it's one of those things you've just got to, back yourself and take the leap and just hope that it all works out (laughs) and you know you can always get a regular job in inverted commas I guess and uh if you need to so yeah it was kind of let's just see what happens that confidence is super inspiring though because there's so many people that probably want to go full-time and do it might not be weightlifting but in some sort of field yeah and you were just like yeah I'm gonna make it work yeah like there's a bunch of people who you know they don't like the job they're doing and they'd love to do something else and you just you make it work like a friend of mine recently like they were doing a job they didn't like and was like just quit like you'll work it out and they did and they're working it out so <laughs> they're surviving yep. um, you've got your fingers crossed making sure yeah. it doesn't sound like a silly bit of <laughs> yeah <advice>. i know <laughs> <laughs> but it's going all right so far so it's weird right because we're saying about weightlifting being an individual sport mm-hmm. you are i guess a part of a team in the grand sense in terms of being yeah. a GB member, yeah. but you're performing on your own. Mm-hmm. What do you prefer? Do you prefer the teamwork or do you prefer the individuality of it? I think that's what's good about weightlifting is a sense of like, if something goes wrong, mm-hmm. you know you're accountable or whatever it is. Like, whereas I'd thought of a team sport and somebody else screwing it up, I'd be so mad at them. Like I'd struggle <laughs> to like be able to be friendly. So I think that's cool. But then you know you've also got that when we're away at international competitions everyone goes to watch everybody lift everyone mm. supports you you know you can drive anywhere in the country pretty much and find another weightlifter and you can train together and push each other and emily campbell our super heavyweight we have a really good training relationship and we have a we have a 20 kilo rule on each lift so obviously she's super heavy yeah, so yeah. she lifts loads more than me but <laughs> we have a 20 kilo handicap so whatever uh, i do she has to do 20 kilos more so that's good fun when we go away to competitions <laughs> and like i lift first so i set the standard and then she yeah. knows what she has to achieve um come comp day so yeah it's good fun yeah yeah and then I spoke to you a bit before about it. The interview you did with Trav, mm-hmm. you spoke about, yeah, one, once again, this is exactly the sort of person I would want to play a team sport with yeah. when you said this. But the interview asked you about Zoe Smith and said, have you found like lifting with someone that's like that comparable in terms of how well an athlete she is? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that's improved you as an athlete? And you were like, no, 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 I've improved her as an athlete. Yeah. And that's, I mean it. If I had someone on a team like that, I'd be like, right, we are like best friends. Please stay yeah. around me. But 
what does it take to have that mindset in terms of like we are competing really but at the same time we're on the same team yeah I mean it's been a difficult one with me and Zoe over the years because like she was British weightlifting's golden girl and mm. um, I kind of came up through the ranks and she'll admit it she's like Sarah you know you made all of us pull our fingers out of our asses and, yeah. and train harder because you achieved what we were achieving in six years in two years yeah. and you know it is difficult that on competition day you're going head to head and there's things on the line like olympic qualification or commonwealth spots and yeah. stuff like that and that's the good thing with individual sport and weightlifting is that you mm -hmm. can you all do your own training separately and you mm -hmm. know how much work you've put in and you know it's either going to pay off or it's not on the day on the platform and you've just got to leave it at that that everyone's done their own work it's either your day or it's their day when it comes yeah, to yeah, the yeah. platform and you know we'll give each other a hug at the end of it and go and get a beer in the bar so yeah. it's one of those things that over like and it has developed over time i mean when i first started lifting zoe wasn't very old and kind of a immaturity showed i guess and she'll yeah. she'll probably say this now herself anyway but she didn't like me being there mm -hmm. coming up through the ranks because it was threatening her position which is natural i think anyway. yeah, yeah yeah exactly so it's taken some time but we've finally got there over the years yeah, yeah and when it comes to competition day we just say good luck at the start and then say well done at the end and anything that happens in between is whatever happens so do you guys ever train together for anything for any reason um so we used to when we had the funding we used to train in loughborough together sure um there was me zoe and um emily she's now musket was yeah. godly um the three of us used to be in loughborough every week together right. um training together so it's it's cool and it does push you and mm. um you know you see this what everyone else is kind of up to and it pushes you along or whatever it is so were you barking on her being like yeah Let's fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> Not like directly, but like, you know, you, you're constantly, like if you're in the gym and you're training together, you're keeping an eye and like, we'll yeah. both do it to each other. Like if mm. they've got 90 kilos on the body, like, oh, stick 92 on. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, of course. And it ends up as one of those. So yeah, it's good. And it's good to push each other. And it, it definitely did develop us uh, um, as both as lifters, which is cool. Yeah, because you have to have a respect for someone on that team that, to do that, I feel like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing. We still respect each other. We both know that we put the training in and we both know that, you know, whatever happens on that platform happens. So I guess it's just as we've got older and wiser that we've got a little bit better at it. Because <laughs> that's how I've always been with sport mm -hmm. in terms of, you, I have you have to have that respect level, but yeah. I've always been someone, especially football, I played a bit of 11 aside this year. And like in that preseason training where it's boring, it's a lot of running. Mm -hmm. It's like picking on, like teasing someone and being yeah. like, come on, let's go, yeah, let's yeah. go like that and whatever. Yeah. And like, I'm a bit playful in nature anyway. Yeah. So I'm like fucking about more of the time. But yeah. as long as we're working hard, but it's just, yeah. Hearing you say that, I was like, that could have been such an interesting yeah. dynamic of just being like, let's go, come on, yeah, come on. Yeah. So yeah, no, it is cool. And like, you know, we do it like with our squats and stuff as well. I mean, Zoe's got phenomenally strong legs. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like we'd just do that. And even our accessory work, like pull-ups and stuff at the end yeah. or whatever it is, like we'd just have like silly little challenges and stuff just to keep things interesting, so. Yeah, because your gymnastic background, I mean, you're really strong lower body-wise mm -hmm. from what I'm seeing, but it's the depth you're getting, like on the snatch especially, I was like, Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. Like I, people always say it to me, they're like, you can you squat really low. And I was like, I looked at yours and I was like, I see how like low I get in comparison. And I was like, your bum is basically touching the floor. I was like, how is she doing it? Has that gymnast background like really helped you with the, the way? Yeah, definitely. Stuff? That definitely yeah. helped me 
pick it up. Like I said, I picked up weightlifting at 19, which in mm-hmm. terms of elite sport is old. Yeah. So that gymnastics, that flexibility, that strength, that power, mm-hmm. like that definitely all transferred over and like body awareness to be able to put my body in those kind of positions. Like, yeah, 100% it helped. Yeah, I just... I was in awe watching it. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, this was something I found really interesting. So you wear makeups during competition. Yeah. Was that some, you spoke about it being something that calms you down like after the weigh-in, right? Um, So it's generally like, especially now where I lift in like the A groups, they're always at the end of the day. So Uh you, and like you're making weight and stuff. So you're not really eating much before you lift and you kind of find yourself sat in a hotel room twiddling your thumbs and pacing. And there's only so many many times you can check that your lifting shoes are still in your kit bag and and everything else. So it's something that I do like comp day, just kind of take my time, do my hair, do my makeup. And it just distracts me more than anything. So otherwise I know I'd sit there just thinking about the competition and kind of, going out of my mind a little bit so yeah it keeps me kind of calm and relaxed and you know as a pageant girl I quite like you know hair and makeup and stuff and there's probably a gymnast in me too that you know gymnastics your hair's got to be done right and and everything before you go out for competition so my gymnast days obviously carried over and and it's good fun it's one of those things that people always comment on it and you know I guess from a, a selfish point of view in terms of sponsorship and stuff, like mm. if you're looking looking good on the platform, you know, it's only going to reflect well when it comes to things like that. So, And is it, a, this this like phrase came in my head and it's really cheesy, but is it like a look good, feel good, look oh, good yeah. kind of thing? Yeah, right? yeah, 100%. Like I walk out on that platform, I'm like, I know I look good. I'm yeah. here to like do this, like let's go. And you know, it's one of those things that I guess other lifters as well they look at you and they're like oh she looks confident she looks ready to go she's like she's glowing yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, like just to like keep an eye on her sort of thing i guess so (laughs) yeah i just found it super interesting because that's i feel like that's what i would be like in that situation i want to like look kind of yeah and like i mean a lifting suit isn't the most glamorous thing in the world (laughs) like and weightlifting isn't that glamorous so if we can just add a little bit to like make me feel a little bit better in that lycra roll in one then (laughs) you know why not and you've brought up about the pageantry stuff Mm -hmm. i mean that's like when you spoke about i was like that is the most hilarious like story in terms of you just being yeah i'm gonna let you tell it because you'll tell it better than me but how did you first get introduced to pageantry so I was working in a pub as a student and there was like an advert in the back of like the local leads guide or yeah. whatever it was for entries for a pageant and people at the pub were like, go on, enter, enter. I was like, nah, don't be daft. And then <laughs> I ended up entering and winning and then found myself at a Miss England final for four days, which was something I was definitely <laughs> not prepared for. That was a whole new world. Um, like doing a regional level pageant is one thing, but then finding yourself at national level, I was well out of my depth but it was good fun and I enjoyed it and you know I met I've met some great friends through pageantry and you know I found myself um winning a national title in the end and going to the Philippines earlier this year so yeah it's just the most hilarious story like I was working in a bar and then all of a sudden I was like one of the best in the the country how did you find the pageantry circuit um so people expect you expect it to be like bitchy and all Mm, that sort of mm. stuff and but you know, it's the most empowering group of women like you could ever really? come across. And you know, you get all these like <sighs> feminists that kind of believe all the stuff they read from the pageants in the 70s and 80s. And they're yeah. like, pageants are awful, but pageants these days are very much about the difference you can make to this world and the community and charity work and how you can be a role model to 
to young women. So I've got friends who are like dentists, lawyers, you know, working in the police that are, that have all been through pageantry and everyone has their own kind of story and reason for wanting to do it. And, you know, like for me, it's about when I was an 11, 12 year old getting bullied for being muscular about, you know, if I can somehow someone in that position can see me now and be like, actually, you know what, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Like that's a that's a big thing for me. And, to, you know, even I get negative stuff even now about my body that people saying like it looks like a man's body and this and that, which is just nonsense. Yeah, um, it's just people hiding behind keyboards, but kind of sticks a finger up at them and is like, yeah, all right. <laughs> is there a part of you that feels like maybe even by accident, but it might not be. It might be something that you've consciously thought about. Is there a part of you that feels like you've ended up becoming the woman that you wish you had when you were younger? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, and it was one of those things, like, I found weightlifting by accident. I found mm. pageants pretty much by accident. And, you know, I did my first pageant just as something to do and to wear a pretty dress and, mm. and all that sort of stuff. I'll be honest about it. It was, let's see what this is about. And then I, it wasn't until I'd been through that that I was like, actually, I can use this as a platform to, act- to make a difference and, and put myself out there as a role model hopefully for other other young people that were in that position that I was in and I feel like now like I said with the Olympics and stuff like we have more positive female like sports people as role models and women's sport gets much more coverage like you look Jessica Ennis was everywhere in the build up to London like you couldn't turn a corner without seeing a poster of her or a billboard of her or whatever so it is growing but you know it's still one of those things I think we need to we do need to keep pushing and making sure you know that coverage kind of stays there really how old were you at the 20 when 2012 came out i know uh, it's rude to ask a woman, a woman her age i'd have turned 20 that summer okay yeah so, yeah yeah i'd not been lifting very long i've only been lifting like a year um and then to go down and watch it that was cool yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. did that play a part in terms of you being like i really want to try and make this a go of this full time yeah i'd say so you know i've been lifting a year i was doing all right i'd I remember the British Championships that year was Olympic qualification and I was competing against Zoe and Emily at the time. Ah. Um, and I remember, I, I don't know why I remember this, but I remember Zoe, she was in, we were in the warm-up room and she was like, Sarah, will you stop getting so strong, please? Otherwise I'm going to have to start worrying. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, and I remember coming third that year to, to Zoe and Emily and then come 2016, the three of us were going head-to-head for an Olympic spot for Rio which was that's wild crazy to think like that can happen in a mm. in a four-year window yeah unbelievable you had and it was it a, a back injury yeah so I had a spinal fracture um fuck me back injury is the worst yeah yeah I mean I look at the time I was funded I had a full medical team and all the support and everything but um we tried to kind of mask it and and make do like we had doctors like to check that that was mm. safe to do and everything in the build-up to the qualification the final um, the British, which was our last qualification competition. But it just, it wasn't meant to be. And given when I started lifting, you know, that was only five years into my career. People yeah. are training for 10, 12 years before they make a, a major games like an Olympics. So it would have been nice to go to Rio, but it was never fully on my radar of when I'd be ready to compete in Olympic games. For me, you know, it's always been a case of targeting Tokyo. So I was about to say, when, d- so for you, right, let me get this correct. I could be wrong once again, but it's, <laughs> You have to hit a certain benchmark and that kind of is what gets you into the game. So they've changed the qualification for this time uh. um, and it's pretty complicated. But in <laughs> summary, it's over an 18 month period from uh, September last year. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. So September 18 all the way through to 
April 20. Yeah. Um, and you have to compete six times internationally and your best four results count towards a world ranking. Right. Um, and you have to have a top eight world ranking or next best continental mm -hmm. to be kind of invited to the games. So at the minute I'm kind of sat somewhere between sixth and eighth. Sure. Um, the rankings haven't been updated since the world, I don't think. But yeah, so at the minute it's looking good. Yeah. I've just got to kind of consolidate And you've that got spot. a super busy winter now, right, coming? Yeah, so I've got English Championships in a couple of weeks. Week after that, I'm off to Germany to compete for my um, new German team, which is exciting. Ooh. And then I've got China um, in December for the World Cup, which is an Olympic qualifier. Oh, nice. Um, and then Rome in January for another Olympic qualifier. And then... April is the Europeans, and that's our final Olympic qualification. So right, so it's not any competition in terms of no, there's there just, be like specific comps. Yeah, yeah. So there's different like weightings to different competitions. So like a, a world and a Europeans have a higher weighting. Um, so you get an extra ten percent on your points if you uh, if they're one of your four that counts. So um, the ones coming up as silver events, you only get an extra five percent. Mm -hmm. um, and then I did a bronze event. Um, middle of summer this year um but hopefully that won't be one that counts because yeah. ideally out of your six you want all four of your ones that count to be gold events because sure. then you're gaining like an extra 40 percent yeah um so yeah we'll we'll see how it goes but it's definitely a a long <laughs> process to say the least like to be on form and um to stay touchwood injury free um for that period of time as an elite athlete is is a long old slog to keep pushing your body to those limits so. especially because you've got a teeter this balance of you want to be in physical like top shape mm -hmm. and that obviously demands you train at a certain level yeah and it's for these like singular events so six yeah. times in 18 months which is yeah and bearing in mind you've got two in such a short amount of time yeah yeah which is also wild yeah yeah and with christmas in between i've got to make weight in january ah <sighs> that's feral I don't know why they've done that it's the end of January to be fair so I've got a little bit of grace time but yeah it's so that will I'll have done more than the six just because it's nice to have that backup option you don't want to be you know in April like everything on the line at the Europeans because you know it's just adding unnecessary pressure whereas if I can get to these next two are kind of about getting kind of consistent results as opposed to anything like mm -hmm. crazy but I'm hoping to get and do some training before I go to China, get myself on a training camp somewhere and get my head down and some focus. So, How long do you take off after a comp to let your body kind of relax a bit? Um, it depends really on the competition and, and where we're at, but about a week normally, um, which doesn't seem very long. <laughs> and then, you know, then training changes. So if we've got a long training block, um, it's kind of lightweight, high volume and just working on imbalances and technical stuff so it's nothing kind of crazy but after the worlds this time i had a week after i lifted i had a week and i was in thailand so i enjoyed being in thailand um and partied pretty hard and then <laughs> i got back i had like a week and i was on a girls weekend in liverpool and um yeah a few things so i kind of had like two and a half three weeks off this time just to blow off some steam um ready to get my head down because at that point i didn't think i had anything until january which seemed like forever away and then yeah, one of the yeah. coaches called me and was like we're gonna go to china in december i was like oh, oh shit, no. i get back to the gym <laughs> best <laughs> so, life sarah had to take a break yeah. <laughs> so i lived my best life for two and a half weeks and then had to get back to it so the thailand but. trip looked awesome Oh, it was phenomenal. Like, yeah. I'm I'm so fortunate. And it's, it's things like that where you just, 
you know, I have to stop and take check that the amount of places I've visited and the, the opportunities I've had. Like I was driving over this way to my mum's yesterday and realised that by the time we see the year out, I'll have only had two months of the year where I've been like in the country. So I think it was like February and May, I mm. won't have left the country, but every other month I'll have left the country at least once. How? <laughs> <laughs> Firstly, that's awesome. What, yeah. a, what a fantastic life. But yeah. But how often, because like like you're saying now, because of how rigorous this schedule is and mm -hmm. over these 18 months before Tokyo, um, how often do you get that chance to kind of sit down, breathe and be like, Jesus, like, I can't believe that this is like the life I'm living right now. Yeah, it's crazy. And it it was only when, um, so I was programming a girl that was on the national team with me as mm -hmm. a 55 Amy. It was only when she first, she came to me, she was like good at a national level. And then mm -hmm. we got to a point where she was getting selected for like Europeans. And mm -hmm. it was only when I was kind of, she was waiting for those emails to confirm selection or she was like pushing for those, those totals to be selected that I actually go, like, cause I don't think about those things anymore. Like I know I'm gonna be selected for Europeans yeah. and worlds. And it's only when you see somebody else in that position that it kind of humbles you to remember like, this is, you know, you're fortunate to have that. And like, I don't even, like, and it's kind of ignorant really that I don't even know what the qualification total is for me to go to those events because yeah. I know that I'll hit it and yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna be selected. So it's, it's moments like that that really make you kind of take check and remember that not say lucky because like I work hard for it but yeah. fortunate I am to to be in that position where I get to do all those things and I probably don't sit back as often as I should do but you know people remind me every now and then <laughs> people keep me grounded in my life which is good so oh good yeah. yeah I always think of luck as it's where preparation meets opportunity yeah exactly exactly in, in terms of you've put this hard working yeah and then opportunities yeah happen, it's a good way to look at it I wanted to read an Instagram post that you put up Okay. It, it is a lengthy one. Okay. But it really stuck with me, so that's what okay, I wanted to cool. do. Okay, cool. This makes me nervous because I post all sorts of stuff on Instagram. Yeah, I know. So I'm like, what? What did I do? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's a good thing. It's it's. But it's the same as me. Like I kind of use that page to try and be as honest as I can about mm -hmm. my life and without being in a preachy way. Yeah. It's actually you in that photo. Oh yeah. But the caption read. Yesterday I got asked in my Q and A if I ever had feedback in pageants for being muscular. The simple answer: yes but the long answer needed a full post. 99% of it has always been positive, so many of the girls compliment my body, the judges are always interested in my lifting, and they clearly saw me to be a suitable role model to hold my title for the year. And that's what, pa and that's what pageants are about, women being role models. That means they don't need to look a certain way or fit a certain mold. Unfortunately, outside of the UK, this vision of pageant girl should be is not shared. The 0.01% of the negativity that comes in when I f went to my first international pa pageant, firstly, I was attacked online by pageant fans, in quotations, I agree, <laughs> um, on one of the photos saying I looked manly and things like, she used to be a man, she doesn't look like a, a queen, the list goes on. The international system used this cyberbullying as an excuse to try and stop me walking in the swimsuit portion of the competition. Basically, I didn't fit their mold for the system and they didn't want, didn't want me up on that stage and put a bad reputation on their brand. Well, they picked the wrong woman to have a battle with. <laughs> yes, I'm more muscular than some women. Does that make me less, any less of a woman? No. Does that make me any less of a role model to others? No. Does that make me any less worthy of my title? No. Does it make a woman who fights for other women to allow them to be whoever, want, whoever they want to be? Yes. Stand strong. Be whoever you want to be. Don't let negativity of others hold you back. How does it feel to hear that? 
it's kind of weird to hear it like thinking I wrote that I'm a yeah. little bit like <sighs> emotional about it I guess like it's one of those things like it's you know it's a couple of months old now that post I think isn't it mm. and yeah it's crazy to think that you know and I don't think about I write these things but then I don't think about people reading them mm -hmm. so like to actually have it read to me to mm. you know process that information is kind of like that like we said earlier like I wish I'd had someone for me to read that you mm -hmm. know 15 years ago or whatever it was yeah. um yeah and it, like that international comp that pageant when they tried to stop me walking was crazy and um so they tried to stop me walking and then they tried to stop two other girls and they gave them all different excuses as to mm. why they said but basically it came down to one of the girls was really thin to a point she probably had an eating disorder sure. kind of looking at it from the outside and they just wouldn't tell her why um which I mean, I, I'm no expert in, in that kind of field and, mm. and no doctor, but, you know, if they've actually said to her, you know, this is probably why we don't want you to walk, that might have helped her to overcome whatever demons she was battling. Mm -hmm. And then the other girl was, you know, carried slightly more body fat. I'm not going to say she was big because she, yeah. she wasn't. Yeah. And they tried to stop the pair of them walking and they used different excuses. And unfortunately, neither of those girls got to walk, which, you know, I was devastated about. Um and you know you've got 60 something girls in a room um all spending three weeks together so i was pretty vocal about the fact they were trying to stop me walk and it was unbelievable i went out there and there's screens in the back so everyone can see what's going on and and the noise that i got from from the other girls and this is what i was saying about people expect it to be bitchy and stuff like yeah. you know you've got 60 girls all from different countries and they would they cheered me down that runway like it was unbelievable like it still gives me goosebumps now thinking about it because that and it's and it sounds really cheesy but it is that like sisterhood and you know everyone's there for each other and nobody cares really who wins obviously everybody would like to win mm -hmm. but everyone's there supporting each other and yeah it was crazy and and i'm thankful that my national director you know she she backed me with it and the decision and and everything that that i went through and she just said you know if you'd have if they'd have stopped you walking i'd have this was only like 10 days into the competition so she was like i'd have supported you if you wanted to get on the next flight back home or whatever it was yeah, yeah, yeah. um and she now no longer works with that system just because of you know everything that happened so i'm yeah. grateful that she kind of had my back on that one as well and she said she was like because i think she was having doubts about the, the international system anyway and mm. then it happened to me and she said to me she was like in a way sarah she was like i know it was horrible but i'm glad it happened to you because like i was one of the oldest mm. contestants whereas she sends some girls to internationals that are like 17 18 would they have been able to deal with something like that themselves probably not like yeah. i wouldn't be able to deal with that at that age no she was like so i'm in a way grateful that it happened to you of all people that could have gone because yeah she's like i know that you're a feisty little thing and you'll stand your ground <laughs> i was like well yep definitely that so yeah. yeah i so that was one particular post but i feel like i could have done like a five-hour read of your instagram <laughs> feed and just just because i've uh, yeah i've you're one of my favorite people honestly that i follow on instagram but i mean i try and keep it real like yeah. and and yeah. be honest with it and you know post stuff that is stuff like that and you know what goes on in my life and i've been pretty I mean, I'd, I'd probably say I've been more closed recently because I've had a lot of like personal stuff going sure, on yeah, that, yeah. you know, at some point I, I will share that when I'm when I'm ready to share it. Yeah. But um, yeah, like there's a, been a lot going on this year and I've still tried to keep it, you know, as real as possible and, and not hide too much. And, you know, I, I do try and post every single day and sometimes I get to a point where I'm like, I've got nothing today, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
my life isn't that exciting but you know a lot of it is just stuff like that like I'm not going to try and claim that you know I'm taking perfect pictures in front of trees and all that sort of stuff that goes on Instagram every day and look at my new shoes like that's that's not me Um, I try and keep it so that it actually has a purpose rather than just being a a highlight reel of selfies and everything else 100% (laughs) do you find it challenging finding that striking that balance of you know there are certain things that you don't want to put on there but wondering whether oh maybe it has a purpose or do you find it challenging every now and then yeah definitely I mean, you know, there is stuff and I'm like, oh, should I post it, should I not? And then I'm like, actually, let's look at this from the outside in. Mm-hmm. Would I want to read that if I was going through that? The answer is probably yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there is stuff that you want to put up there and, you know, it's about, and I I try and keep it, would, would I want my mum to see it? Would I want my grandma to see it? Like, would I care? Would I want, you know, when I'm done weightlifting, my future head teacher that I'm going to work for to see it? Like, and that's the way I look at it. Do I want my future children to be able to read it because once it's out on the internet it's out on the internet isn't it so yeah yeah, and that was something that you know I mean it got taken down off my Instagram which was really annoying but I did a women's health article um, back in the summer and they do like a naked edition so Uh, there was a picture of me with my butt out on the internet oh (laughs) you did you posted it somewhat recently yeah 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 not that long ago like a week or so ago and it got reported on my Instagram which was annoying because there's definitely worse so you mentioned on Instagram. how you, you mentioned how it done really well as well and you yeah, like yeah. maybe that's <laughs> yeah so I mean I gained nearly like 10,000 followers from that it was unbelievable um, but like I didn't post it for the followers like no, I posted no, no. it for the purpose of the article which yeah. you know is in line with everything else I talk about about body image and stuff and yeah. the the article was kind of 10 pages of different athletes from different sports mm-hmm. um there was myself and Olivia for, that did it from weightlifting, which was which was super fun, um, and it was a good day to shoot. And but yeah, like stuff like that. Like people say to me, "Oh, you know, what have your mum seen?" I was like, "I showed my mum when it got printed in the magazine." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my dad probably just doesn't want to see it because yeah. dads are a little bit like. But it's not a case of I'd be ashamed of him seeing it. It's no. just a case of he's my dad and doesn't want to see it. So, but yeah, there will come a point where I've I got kids and I'm old and wrinkly, I guess, and be like, look, this was me once. Yeah. I looked good once. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. I love it. <laughs> and one of the main reasons I brought up that photo in particular, because like I said, I could have brought up loads. <laughs> How have you found guys interact with you when they find out what you do and kind of what you've achieved? Um, I mean, like if it's social media that they kind of see what they're doing, but you know, it's not even necessarily guys. Like I go and give talks in schools and stuff and people go, oh, you don't look like a weightlifter. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm in the top 10 in the world. So I clearly <laughs> do look like a weightlifter. Like, like that's what, that's what I do. And I'm, you know, I'm pretty good at it. So this is what weightlifters look like. Um, and I mean, you look at any of our national team, really the, the women and you wouldn't think they don't fit the stereotype of weightlifters at all like in in regular clothes we look like regular people so I mean most people find it cool you do get some guys that are I guess intimidated by it and it's kind of funny when I'll go and train in a different gym just because I'm on the road or whatever and I'm throwing like over 100 kilos above my head or squatting like 140 (laughs) kilos and you've got these kind of gym bros in there that are looking at me like what is going on over there (laughs) I feel like I should just like have you seen these Facebook videos where people put on all the makeup and stuff and make them look like old people I feel like I should do one of those and (laughs) just go into a random gym like dressed as a little old lady and uh, (laughs) snatch 100 kilos or something it'd be quite funny wouldn't it but (laughs) absolutely yeah so generally like 
people have a real positive um response to it yeah. you know you get the people who have the stereotypes of like you don't look like a weightlifter yeah. um or they're like you've not got very big arms for a weightlifter and that's because i don't need big arms yeah but yeah generally like responses are very positive so yeah that is one thing right i guess because you don't need no you need uh, you need mobility and stability but it's yeah. not like pure strength I yeah guess. no like arms and weightlifting just kind of control the bar like they don't yeah. do that much mm. um they're kind of just there to attach you to the bar really yeah. whereas everything comes from lower body which is why like women can pick up weightlifting later in life because naturally they're very lower body dominant sure. uh, and more mobile so whereas men have usually done years of bench press and don't <laughs> have that upper body mobility to get there so so with tokyo coming up around the corner how are you feeling about it it's a weird one like because obviously four years ago in the build up to rio was very different like i always knew i was like an outside shot and i probably didn't believe in myself soon enough in the build up to rio to actually push myself to the levels that i should have been i was kind of like well is he it's probably going to be zoe's spot so i might as well just you know take over and mm. you get like the people in your life that aren't directly involved in the sport like friends and family and stuff are like so you're going to the olympics and you're like well, I'm trying, but yeah. you kind of, I kind of knew deep down that, you know, I wasn't going to be able to go. And I mean, it was the injury that stopped me in the end, but there was probably um, more work that I could have done that would have put me in a, a stronger position, but mm -hmm. as hindsight, I guess. And going into this Olympic qualification, like the way that the qualifications changed works mm. in my favor. Right. Um, with it being individual qualification and, you know, they're trying to like clean up the sport and anti-doping stuff yeah. for the Russians and all that sort of is going on. So if there's ever an Olympics to go to, it's going to be this one on the basis that, you know, it's going to be hopefully cleaned up a lot more. And yeah, touch wood, you know, that I've got a good chance of a, a really good ranking at an Olympics. And to be in the position I am now is... It's kind of surreal and I'm just kind of just getting on with it, keep my head down, keep training and, and just let it happen in its natural course. But obviously off the back of the Commonwealths last year, you know, that gave me a good boost to kind of believe in myself to be able to do it and, and really push into this Olympic cycle, which is exciting, yeah. a little bit nerve wracking, a <laughs> little bit surreal. Like I just, like I said, sometimes you just stop and take check and be like, this is actually what I'm doing and this is where I get to go. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I've just got to keep my focus and keep pushing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is one thing I've got absolutely no idea of, mm -hmm. the potential length of your career. I've got no idea what that's going to look like. I mean, there's, women's weightlifting isn't that old as a sport. Like, we right. only came into the Olympics in 2000. So sure. we don't really know that much about, like, a, a female lifter's career. I mean, men keep going into their kind of mid to late 30s generally. Mm -hmm. I guess the thing for a woman is things like having a family and stuff yeah. like that has a has a massive impact i mean there was a girl um from finland who was a, a good weightlifter she competed against me internationally and she just, she had a baby and i was like oh it'll be interesting to see yeah. how she makes a comeback and then she had another baby i was like come on you were like my project <laughs> yeah. like i was waiting to see what happened so uh, when are you gonna stop having babies <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so i don't know if she'll come back to the sport now or not she's put she might be done but yeah. um yeah we just don't really know a lot about you know the comebacks obviously all your core muscles and everything if you have yeah. a child like and, and mm. trying to lift heavy weights so i mean for me like tokyo is definitely like on the cards mm. the next commonwealth games in 2022 is in birmingham so like oh, a, yeah. a home games like that's without a doubt will be um is completely on my horizon and i and i want the gold medal there so 
and then we'll see about Paris. I think right. it depends kind of what qualification looks like, um, if there's any youngsters up and coming that yeah. are going to challenge me and um, kind of, like, I guess, what my personal life looks like too, like whether yeah. there's, you know, whether I'm going to be starting thinking about having a family and all that sort of stuff. So, because by the time Paris rolls around, I'll be 32. So yeah, it's kind of, you know, coming towards the end of a career, but the way I have it set is Birmingham will be my last Commonwealth Games, mm. whether it's my last major games or not, I'm not sure, but mm -hmm. you know, get Tokyo done and double Olympian sounds cooler than just Olympians. Yeah. So <laughs> I might have to get myself to Paris too. <laughs> the thing is, I it's from completely different sports, but you look at someone like Serena Williams, like her yeah. like having, like being pregnant, like I'm competing late. Mm -hmm. And then I've just watched, I'm, I like the WNBA, which is the basketball league in America. Mm -hmm. And she just said, there was a player called Skylar Diggins and she was, they spoke about her season mm -hmm. and she was like, I was pregnant all year yeah. and became like a top, I think she was like in the top five in her position. Yeah. And so the human yeah. body is just amazing. That's yeah. why it's so hard to predict, I guess. And, as well. I, and one of the things that I know it's kind of going on, it's going off track a little bit here, no, but go ahead. Um, with like Olympic commissions and stuff is that for a, like this qualification period, I've had to do six competitions within 18 months. Yeah. If you were wanting to have a family, there's no like maternity leave in that no. almost. Like it's how that will get fit in. And hopefully like, you know, we have got people that are working on stuff like that to work out, you know, if a woman wants to have a child, how mm. does she fit that into a career the same way she'd fit that into a professional career in an mm. office or whatever. So because yeah. they want the best, don't they? Yeah. In the grand scheme of things, they don't want to be like, oh yeah, maybe Sarah would have won this games, but because she's like trying to set up a family, yeah. like yeah, exactly. And it's one of those things that at some point you have to become a little bit less selfish and um, think about the the bigger picture of life, I guess. Um, so we'll see when we get to that. But for I feel sure, because you're telling, you're talking the wrong person. No, I'm good actually. <laughs> Yeah, so Birmingham is definitely like on mm. the cards and then by that point we'll also know what Olympic qualification looks like. So whether I take my boots off on the platform and, and announce my retirement there or whether I do it two years later. Because that's the thing, it's only because yeah. the way that our Commonwealth Games falls, it's always only two more years till the next games. It's like two more years to the Olympics or two more years to the Commonwealth. And Similar to it, a footy player with, the, like with ours, yeah. like Euros or World Cup, you could always yeah. talk yourself into like... Yeah. yeah, maybe I won't go to another World Cup, but I'll go to the yeah. Euros. Yeah, yeah. So we'll just see how that goes and how many, just two more years that yeah. I'll uh, string yeah. out. <laughs> can see you doing it into your 40s, 50s. Yeah. Just be like, Look, I had a couple babies in between qualifications. <laughs> we figured it out. So I'm about to start lifting this bar forever. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that really intrigued me was you kind of, I don't know, maybe you had this plan. You're like, right, I'm going to do the weightlifting thing. And then obviously that's, it's, it's condensed as a career mm -hmm. option. So I'm going to go and do, you know, A, B, C. Has it changed since you've taken the career on, kind of what you envision for post-weightlifting career? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, like I said, I was set to be a teacher and mm -hmm. kind of saw that as my way. And I was like, did some weightlifting. And, you know, I always sort of said I'd go back to teaching. And, you know, it's still an option. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm involved in quite a few like athlete commissions and stuff for different bodies. One of them mm -hmm. being Birmingham 2022. So I'm on the like athlete committee for that. So we have a say in what goes on in the games and whether I'd actually like to be involved in kind of the, the business side of sport going mm -hmm. forward. Like I said, I turns out I have a little bit more of a business mind than I realized when it came to developing my own company. Um, 
so whether I end up kind of going down that route of um, working in the the office side of sport or not, I guess I guess we'll see. Um, but it's a potential option, and you know I I enjoy being on all these athlete commissions and being involved in different sporting bodies, and you know I'm athlete rep for British weightlifting and. Um, earlier in the year I got to go to the International Olympic Committee like athlete forum Ooh. for the for the International Weightlifting Federation which was really cool that is really cool um, got to hang out with um, Piros Dimas who's an ex-weightlifter he's the most decorated weightlifter of all time and we're now oh. buddies so I was like proper <laughs> fangirling hard when I got there um, but yeah surrounded by a bunch of athletes from all different sports and Olympic sports winter Olympic sports um, yeah so that that's an option going forwards and I mean my life took a diversion that I never saw coming. So I guess I'm just kind of riding the wave and see where I end up because yeah. that's, you know, and it's so different to who I was 10 years ago. I was very much like life plan, like this is what I want, this is what I'm gonna do. Whereas now I'm like, oh, I'll see where I end up, yeah. which I think drive my, drives my mom crazy. Um, Cause she's like, when are you gonna get a proper job? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I have a proper job. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, honestly, the world we live in now, I think it's more of a world, it could be more just how the world's gone more so than yourself. Like, yeah. You just can't, I got asked it recently, like, where do you see yourself in five years? And I was like, no fucking idea. <laughs> like, at all. Yeah. Yeah, I work in social media for a digital company. Yeah. It's like five years ago, if you social said, that's what you're going to yeah, do, I'm yeah. like, yeah. No, like Facebook's like just a thing that my mum's on. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's what yeah. it was. I was thinking about that. I was like, why do I still have a Facebook account? Like, yeah, honestly. <laughs> so it's mental, but, but it's, yeah, like, and I'm on a thing at the minute. I'm like on a because it's on, and my parents were watching yeah. it the other day. Like, I want to be on Strictly. Like, that'd be cool. Oh, like that's like <laughs> kind of life goals alongside weightlifting it. would be to be on Strictly. Um. <laughs> I love that. That's such a cool goal. <laughs> So, you know, that's my campaign, Sarah for Strictly. See how well, that goes. starting here. <laughs> You've spoken it into the universe now. I mean, it's so strange because, yeah, as I was saying, like doing the research into you, you kind of like, I, you know, I've got to try and get to know you as well as I can doing for doing this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, pageantry winner. So beauty, strength, teacher, business brain like you really are like the full package it's so weird to say it oh. but it's like <laughs> but i don't i don't know sometimes i don't feel like i'm like am i just doing like kind of jack of all trades master of yeah. none but kind of learning as i go and i mean tbc you're potentially going to an olympic game well, so. <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> but it's one of those things that i've always been if i'm gonna do something i'm gonna do it to the best of my ability so mm-hmm. um yeah, I guess that's what happens when it comes to the business stuff. I'm like, right, okay, I need to make some money. Let's make some money. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there, there is the business stuff. I feel like I could push more, but it's also like, but I'm doing it to support my weightlifting. Yeah. Um, so as much as it would be nice to be earning more money, that also involves more work and less yeah. training and recovery time. So, yeah, we're working on the balance still, but we're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> right, Sarah, before I ask you the final four questions, I want mm-hmm. you to plug everything that you have going on oh wow um in terms of like like how people can find you and kind of join the journey yeah so um my main platform really is instagram so it's Mm. at sarah d underscore gb um i do have twitter i'm trying twitter's are like up and down at the minute like some people are really (laughs) on it again and so it's sarah davis 1908 um i do have a facebook 
like athlete page, but it's basically the same that's on my Instagram. Yeah. Um, um, wisdom for weightlifting is a business. That's wisdomforweightlifting.com. Yeah. And I do occasionally try and post like on a YouTube channel, but that's just one of those things yeah. that like time is just not on my side when it comes <laughs> to editing videos and stuff. So that's, I'm the barbell queen on YouTube and I have a mailing list too, which goes out sporadically, um, yeah. which is also the barbell queen, um, which you can find the link, I think on my Instagram page. So. I'll put it all in the show notes so people can find Thanks. you. Thanks. No problem. <laughs> right, the final four questions mm-hmm. I ask all of the guests they're slightly deeper and more, okay. more, I guess, philosophical as it were. Oh, wow. But um, I'll leave them at the end because then it's not, I don't shock you with them at the beginning. <laughs> um, the first one, what's one thing in your life that you're proud of overall? From a weightlifting perspective, it's my Commonwealth silver medal um, mm. last year because just, you know, getting to that point, the qualification was tough. Um and I ended up going in a weight class that wasn't my first choice. So to still get a silver medal in a weight class that wasn't mine. And in terms of like life, just being confident and comfortable in who I am as a person. Because if you'd have asked me that as a 12 year old, I was like, no, not a chance. So yeah. I love it. <laughs> What's one piece of life advice that you'd give to the listeners? Be yourself. Um, there's the whole saying of be yourself because somebody else is already taken. There's no point trying to imitate somebody else and try and be somebody else because you're just going to be a knockoff version of them. Just do you. I love it. Third question. Mm-hmm. What are three characteristics slash personality traits that you would say you've built your life upon at this point? I mean, my teammates call me sassy, which probably <laughs> says a lot. So it's probably one. Um, confidence. And that's an interesting one because it's one that you know, I kind of put up as a front that I was confident to start with. And then um, I actually watched a TED talk on it. It's called Fake It Till You Become It. Yeah. Um, You've seen it, but, you know, and I watched it kind of after I'd been through that journey myself. And I was like, you know, it completely summarizes like what I've been through in the last few years because I did put the confidence as a front. And I guess honesty, like that's what people will get from me. And some people like it, some people don't. But what did I say on a podcast recently that I could live with you guys? Oh, I said I was like the Marmite of British weightlifting. You either love me or hate <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <laughs> but I'd rather be uh, Marmite than just kind of blend into the background, I guess. Much like Marmite, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> the final one I've got to read, so bear with me. Okay. Many years into the, into the future, your time as Sarah Davis is coming to an end. The person closest to you only has one sentence to describe you and your life here on earth. What would you hope that would be? Wowzers. That is a deep question. I guess it's almost like, what would you put on your headstone, isn't it? Like, wow. That I was a determined person that went after everything that I wanted, but still left the world a better place when I found it. That is the best way to finish the podcast. <laughs> thank you so much for your time, Sarah. You've so been right, absolutely you. awesome. It's been really, really cool to meet you. I'm a big fan. Oh, thanks. Wishing you all the best for 2020. Thank you. Let's fucking go. Let's do this. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs>